This is Maine Currents, independent local news, views, and culture. I'm Amy Brown. The Penobscot Nation hosted a gubernatorial candidates forum on Indian Island on April 25th. All seven of the Democrats who are running attended. Republicans and independents were invited, with some declining because of previous obligations. But Republicans Sean Moody and Ken Fredette and independent Terry Hayes did not respond to the invitation. The seven candidates who did attend answered questions on a range of topics for more than two hours. Today we'll bring you the first hour of the forum and then we'll archive the full event along with today's show so you can hear the rest. Dr. Darren Ranko was the facilitator. I am going to read the expectations and rules for the forum, but the, the chief set up, I think, a really important context that our diplomatic and governance traditions are deeply rooted in respect for one's voice and one's opinions. And um, I was reminded of this. Uh, I was uh, a moderator at another event, um, and it had to do with the treaty council uh, that we had in Irausik in 1717, where one of our diplomats um, actually was so forceful in his positions about protecting our homelands that the English um, representative got very upset and he lost kind of control of his, his opinion. He got very outlandish and yelling and so forth. And it was our diplomat, because he had caused someone else to lose face, um, that retreated and actually asked for a replacement because he had failed his people and failed his role as a, as, as a Penobscot diplomat in that space. So I think that level of respect is, is, is about those kinds of um, interactions. So let me read the rules like I do in every class I teach, um, set up a lot of rules for my students. Um, each candidate will have uh, opening and closing statements. Uh, please keep it to about a two-minute time window, but we're not going to cut you off in this space, so I'm not holding a watch or anything, or, and no one's, no, the lights aren't going to come down or anything. Um, but in that opening statement, introduce yourself and, and sort of you know, your reasons for, for running for this office. Each candidate will have a, a chance to answer the questions, and we will rotate the order of who will answer first. Um, I recognize that there are two people named Mark and two people with the last name uh, Dion, so uh, I don't know how I'm going to do that, but I'll, I'll figure it out. Some of the moderator questions have been developed by tribal leadership, and some are, some are audience inquiries submitted earlier this month. For the audience here tonight, we expect respectful behavior so that all can hear the candidate answers to these important questions. Please hold your applause until after closing statements, boos, taunts, jeers, or other dis disruptive behavior is strongly discouraged. The audience can submit questions for the candidates. You'll find a note card on your seat, and there are extras out back somewhere. Uh, please raise your hand with the note card, and Ambassador Dana will collect and read, question, read the question for the candidates. Please keep questions relevant to topics that potential governors of the state of Maine will need to know about indigenous communities and people of Maine. Thank you so much for joining us here. And welcome to our home, everyone, especially coming from away. So I will start with the opening, and we will go in alphabetical order for the very first thing. So I'll ask uh, Adam to do the first two minutes, and then we'll kind of move down the, the line here.
This is Adam Cody. Thanks, Dr. Ranko. <clears throat> um, thank you all for coming here today. Uh, I want to thank Chief Francis, former Chief Dana, members of the Tribal Council. I'm really looking forward to tonight, um, and I'll give a little bit of my background as we go along. I just want to say briefly there were two things that were said tonight that really stood out for me. Uh, the first was when Dr. Ranko observed this as a historic event. And the second was when former Chief Dana was describing how much there is an interest that you have in having a relationship with the state. It struck me as sad that this is historic. I think it should be common. I think the dialogue, the back and forth, should be something that happens regularly. And I would offer to you, sir, that the state has a vested interest in having a strong relationship with the members of the tribe. Um, the main focus of my campaign, and I've talked about this everywhere I've gone, my wife and I are raising five young kids in Sanford, Milltown, where we have about 70% of our kids on free and reduced lunch in our schools. And we're seeing the discussions that everyone's having about when their kids are getting out of school, they want them to stay in their hometown, but they also want them to have a lot of opportunity. The vast majority of the state, you can't have both. And here, it's even more evident. Twice the opioid rate, twice the, twice the problem so many times. And so much of what I've been talking about is growing the economy and creating an economy that works for everybody. And that's why one of my first trips, when I declared, was up here. I went to Arista County, Washington County, and here, first three trips. I'm committed to tribal sovereignty. I'm committed to your sustenance fishing rights and so many other issues. But most importantly, I'm committed to having a good relationship, doing a reset, a reset in this state. I think we desperately need that. And I'm commissioned, I'm focused on leading this state in a positive direction. I'm very much looking forward to tonight and the continuing dialogue. Thank you for having me. This is Donna Dion. Good evening. It's a pleasure being here, and thank you for the invitation. Uh, I was here approximately 35 years ago when this was an ice arena. And my husband and I walked in and said, we've been here before. And I came in 2000 when Chief Dana, during his ceremony. Uh, that was my first time of putting my finger on the pulse of what was occurring here in the Penobscot Nation. Uh, we were looking at trying to have a resort casino. And uh, we were doing a collaboration. So I know the need of people getting together and, and bringing the key people to the table and talking about needs and looking at not regulating people, but finding out what the needs are and doing a collaboration so we can move the state forward. I mean, some of the comments that have already been made pertaining to some of the resources and the positiveness and the moving it forward with no cost, no injuries, those are the kinds of activities that have to continue. I was mayor of the city of Biddeford for six years, and during that time there was a lot of controversy. And I know that sometimes we can get, as I told someone earlier, a little prickly. Don't get close because I don't want you there. You're in my space. I think we need to get to that table, need that invitation. And, you know, people said don't give a political line. Well, somewhere along the line someone asked me what was uh, my platform. And they said, I want one word. And I thought, and I thought, and I thought. And the word was respect. And it's written on all the literature, so it's not something I just made up. It's sitting on the table there. 
And I think that's what's necessary. It's respect that's been lacking, listening, looking, understanding, and not moving, and not being budged over because some people want to pull you, push you down and say, no, we're not going to put them aside. We, you know, we have better things. We have corporate people who need uh, certain commitments, and they're going to be, it's going to be more financial feasible. I think it's a collaboration of everyone coming to the table. It's not always a win-lose situation. We need a win-win situation. We need to be talking to people. I'm running for, for governor uh, because of that reason. I saw the lack of respect. I saw the many areas in the state of Maine that are, are suffering, and I need to bring those people to the table. I need to look at your resources. I don't want to tell you what to do. I want to hear what you have and how we can collaborate together and do better. Uh, I have 45 years of financial background. Are you interested? Maybe yes, maybe no. Are you interested because I care? I hope. I think bringing people together and listening and setting an agenda and a plan, implementation, who gets impacted, and how can we afford it, and what do we do? You might have more intense situations, but the situations that exist here exist throughout the state, and you are people of, the, of our state. You're a sovereign nation. I respect your past, your history. And I did a lot more research in 2000 when I was looking at, okay, what is this doing? What does this mean for the state? I want to introduce myself. I'm Donna Dion. I care, and I'd like to listen to what you have to say. Thank you. Yeah, just a reminder, please state your name for the record. Just for the record, though, in the TV. For the record? My name is Mark Dion, and I'm a state senator from Portland. But before I describe why I'm here, one of the identities that I carry, and once you have an identity, you can't just put it away in a closet and say that part of you doesn't exist anymore. I was sheriff. I'd ask all of us to take a moment and reflect, because today, a Somerset County deputy sheriff was gunned down in the line of duty. And it weighs heavy for me and for everyone who carries or has carried a badge. And it should weigh heavy on all of us as citizens. So I, I'm going to pause. I'll give up five, ten seconds of my time in his honor and the pain that's confronting his family this evening. Thank you. I've served 40 years in public service. 32 years, I carried a badge and a gun. I rose to be deputy sheriff, deputy chief of the Portland Police Department, and later on I was elected sheriff for 12 years. I learned that honor and trust is core to success. If you give your word, keep it. And trust comes from keeping the word often enough that people can predict where you will be on an issue. In those years of public service, I received national awards for my work in civil rights. So I ask that if you consider who I might be as a governor, then look at who I was in my prior roles, and you'll get a sense of where I would like to go in the future. I think we need a governor that understands 
that many of us in this state have a paycheck that doesn't last for a week, that many of us have been disenfranchised and disconnected and are not part of the mainstream, that we represent a party that should speak for those with no voice and make sure that everyone is treated with fairness and equity. That's why I'm running for governor. I've been in the legislature for eight years. I've served on criminal justice, and I've served on energy as chairs. In my first confrontation with Native issues in the legislature was trying to get a seat on the Board of Trustees for the Criminal Justice Academy. It seems such a straightforward problem with a simple solution, get another chair. We had the support of the legislature, and we were rejected by the executive. They said, Senator, you should understand that another chair would make for an even number of votes, and we can't have that on the Board of Trustees. Sometimes racism has some social frosting put on it so that we can accept it. We have fought long and hard on these issues. I was disappointed to see Native representation leave the legislature. As governor, my door will be open, and I will actively listen to the issues. But to be honest, we have two problems to confront. One is a legal problem, and that's where much of Maine is hidden behind, is this idea of municipality. I am a lawyer, but I won't bore you with legal technicalities. But you have fallen at sword many times. That has to be fixed. The other piece is political. We have to come to terms as two peoples on the idea of what self-determination should look like. And that should be an equal solution for both sides. So those are the two issues that the next governor of Maine has to address, is the idea that the Settlement Act has run its course and needs to be renegotiated. And as two governments and two peoples, we have to understand a mutual understanding of what it means when we talk about self-determination. Thank you. Good evening. Uh, my name is Mark Eaves, a candidate for governor. Um, served in the legislature for eight years. I was honored to be elected by my colleagues to Speaker of the House for half the time that I served in the legislature four of those years. Um, and it's an honor, a true honor, to be here this evening. Um, I'm here to, to answer questions, but more than anything, is to listen. And as a family therapist, that's the profession I went into, it's what I was doing well before I uh, ever thought about running for public office. I was working with families, living in deep poverty, driving out to their homes, knocking on doors, not knowing what was on the other side, and walking through doors, sitting around kitchen tables and in living rooms, and figuring it out together. Uh, I grew up in a family, I'm the youngest of seven, my dad a chaplain in the military, served 35 years in the Air Force. My mom was a public school teacher, and they taught us a lot of values. Loyalty was very important. Trust was very important. And the early lesson of once you lose it, it's very difficult to earn back. They also told me you don't give up on people. You don't say it's too hard. You don't turn your back on people, especially when they're struggling. That's why it was easy for me to walk through those doors not knowing what was on the other side. And when I ran for the legislature for the first time 10 years ago, during the Great Recession, when gas and oil was 450, knocking on doors, having conversations about people losing their homes, um, 
I didn't know how to run a campaign. I never had before, but I knew how to knock on doors and talk to people. Hadn't been held by a Democrat this district in nearly 40 years. Was fortunate enough to earn the support of my colleagues uh, and my constituents. Um, and we've got a lot of work to do. After seven years uh, of a governor that has uh, encouraged us to see the worst in each other, we have a lot of, a lot of uh, work to do, I think a lot of opportunity. So I tell the, the quick story of knocking on doors and working with families, because that's my approach to service in general. My door um, uh, won't just always be open, there'll be an active partnership. I know that trust uh, isn't earned on a campaign, and on the campaign trail it's earned over time. Um, I hope that this, as Adam said, is, is not an anomaly, is not um, uh, a one-off, but becomes the new norm and a new relationship that we all can feel better about. Thank you. Thank you. I'm Janet Mills, and uh, I want to thank Chief Francis and Chief Peter Paul and Ambassador Dana for their hospitality and for this unique opportunity to have a conversation about state tribal relations and about what the next governor can do to help turn things around. You know me as Maine's Attorney General for the last five and a half years, and uh, those years have been challenging, to say the least. I've stood up to the current governor uh, when I believed he was wrong. I've kept him from taking thousands of Maine children off of health care. I've uh, stood up to the Trump administration in order to protect our health care, protect our, the rights of new Mainers, and our natural resources against federal intrusion. My staff and I have always tried to abide by the rule of law in everything that we do. And as Attorney General, it's always been my job to defend the state of Maine. That's the oath I took. And it does not always allow me a choice. I don't get to pick the cases or tell other lawyers uh, when to sue or not sue the state. And it's not always a popular thing I get to do, but I do my job. And I know that the role of the governor is very different from the role of the attorney general. You know that too. And as governor, I'm elected, I want to make sure we find new ways to partner with you, with the tribes, to form stronger alliances on economic development, on re renewable energy resources, on health care. And I want the non-tribal citizens of this state to view themselves as your, as your neighbors, not your adversaries. I want to work with you to respect and maintain the cultural identities and the right of self-governance of the thousands of people who proudly call themselves Native Americans in this state. You probably know that I was born and raised in the 2nd Congressional District, that I live in the town where I grew up, in Western Maine, where I delivered newspapers as a kid and uh, waited tables at the local diner. I, too, have fished Maine's rivers and hiked her mountains and swum in her lakes. This state is my home, and I love it with all my heart, as do all of you I know. This we have in common. Tonight, I'm here not to lecture you or to tell you what I think you want to hear. I'm here to listen to you, and I'm here to learn how we can better work together to move our state forward, to improve communications between the four tribes and state and local governments, how together we can improve the lives, opportunities, and well-being of all of our people. I have five daughters I brought up in Maine and four grandchildren, and I value family above all else, as do you, I'm sure. I'm running for their sake and for the sake of your children and all of our children and grandchildren, that they will be able to live and grow in a safe, beautiful, and prosperous state 
that I've always been proud to call home. Thank you, and I look forward to the conversation. If you're just joining us, this is Maine Currents on WERU-FM. The gubernatorial candidates form you're listening to was hosted by the Penobscot Nation and took place on Indian Island on April 25th. Republican and independent candidates were invited as well, but only Democrats attended, so that's who you're hearing today. The facilitator was Dr. Darren Ranko. Good evening. My name is Diane Russell, and I am running to, for governor to put power back into the hands of people. I think it's sad that this is the first time this has happened. And I know that there have been meetings of the minds over the past generations uh, that you all know more about than I do. Um, but I'm here to learn about the unique challenges that you all face on the reservation and in your communities and fighting for your culture. One of the challenges that I saw, there were several challenges that I saw in the legislature, and I don't have all the answers for them. But as governor, I want to be a partner with you um, I do think the Land Claim Settlement Act needs to be re reviewed. It needs to be renegotiated because it is not fair, and it has caused significant problems for uh, folks in this community as well as other tribes across the state. Um, we are sitting in the high-stakes bingo arena that, to my understanding, no longer exists because Hollywood Casino opened, and within a year or two, 75% of the sales had disappeared. Um, and when Wayne Mitchell, who I love dearly, I sat with him in VLA at the Veterans and Legal Affairs Committee numerous years, and near him on the floor of the House fought tooth and nail to get even pull tab machines fixed um, or, or allowed, and the state consistently fought him and refused to allow it, saying that it was slot machines. It wasn't, and I worked really hard to try to help you guys get that, and I failed you, and I am sorry. We're talking about a 50% unemployment rates on the um, on the reservations. We're talking about high alcoholism and an opiate addiction rates, and there's some successes happening here that I think we need to learn from across the state. We're talking about violence against women, and not on the reservation. We're talking about violence against women that are coming from off the reservation, and people aren't talking about that because women are second-class citizens, and I disagree with that. We're talking about water and fishing rights. We're talking about alewives and elvers, right? Water is life. Many can, I can't say it. Many Wichoni. Wichoni. Sorry. Thank you. <laughs> Many Wichoni. Because water is life, right? And we need to have a different conversation going forward. And what you are fighting for about the waters here are, is not just for the folks that live here on the reservation who are part of the tribes. You are fighting for water rights for all of us. And it is sad that this is the first time that we have had a gubernatorial forum on these issues, and it is sad that it took what happened with the Keystone Pipeline to actually have a conversation about tribal rights in this country, tribal sovereignty, and I have fought tooth and nail in the legislature against my own party, against my own leadership, for casino rights for the Passamaquoddy, not because I care about gaming or like gaming, but because the folks on that reservation asked us for 22 years to pass legislation that would allow them to have a casino on their property because that was the only economic opportunity that they saw and it was not my place to tell them what they should do on their reservation. So I fought tooth and nail to help that, and we failed consistently because of the people in the state house who didn't understand how, how this would help communities, and they also didn't understand that it was not their place to judge how people create an economy in their own nation. And it is important to understand that this is a nation. I was horrified and 
incredibly proud the day that the day you all walked out of the legislature. I sat in the back as Wayne Mitchell, my seatmate, outlined the reasons why the representatives were changing their name, changing their title, and changing their position and their relationship to the state to ambassador. And sir, we are just as proud of your ambassador as you are. Because it was important to stand up, because at every step of the way, you have come to us in peace and asked for rights that should actually already be yours. They are inherent in the fact that you are part of the nation. And the, it was horrifying to me that we that it had gotten to that point that it had to happen, and I have never been more honored and more proud to watch that happen. And I sat there with tears in my eyes the whole time as Wayne walked, watched, walked us through what the, you all did, were doing because you were stepping up into your own rights and taking power back. And that's what this conversation here is about. It's about who has power. And it is not right that you come to us asking for rights that you should already have. I do not believe in empowering others. I believe that people have inherent power, and that power is taken from them. It is stolen from them. And I respected the moment when you all stood up and said, we're taking our power back, because that's what this conversation is about. We may not always agree on everything, but I think it's been my experience working with the tribes in the, in the State House that we've had a, a good working relationship. I have consistently been fair, willing to listen, and willing to fight far more than many for the rights that you all should already have. So I'm going to stop there. I have a whole spiel about how the system's broken. And I'll spare it for you because at the end of the day, this isn't about me, it's about you. The one last thing I would say is that it, every single governor's candidate was asked to show up today. Republicans, independents, and Democrats. And I think it's important for you to see that the only people who showed up today were Democrats. And every single Democrat got in the car and came here because it was that important. And never have I seen tribal rights and tribal sovereignty part of the public discourse as it is right now, and it has gone well beyond just this gubernatorial forum. It is coming up all across the state, and I want you to know that because it's not just the folks here that are fighting for your, your own rights. You have allies all across the state that are fighting for you, and in a way that is so inspiring, and I am so proud of it. So be your bad selves, stand up for what you believe in, and live your best self. And my hope is that I can be standing with you as an ally, hearing what your concerns are and helping us find a path forward. My job isn't to tell you what your best path forward is. Your job is to tell me what you believe your best path forward is for the economic sovereignty of, this country, of, the, of your country. And my job is to work with you so that we can find a mutual way to get you there. Hi, my name is Betsy Sweet, and I'm also a candidate for governor. And I am very grateful to all of you to have us here, and um, to both the chiefs and to Malian, who I've gotten to know a little bit, which has been a great honor, um, and to learn about some of the issues, and to actually to join with you in making changes. Because I have to say, in 2018, despite all the things that are happening, and how government is not working and politics are awful right now, I am incredibly hopeful. I think that this moment, this primary, 
this election in 2018 can be the change, can be the beginning of a shift, a shift to do things really differently. But we're going to have to make some big changes, and that shift is going to start with respect, respecting each other, respecting the earth, respecting us as a democracy. I am running as a clean elections candidate, and that means without any money, big money in politics, without any special interests, any special PACs that often get in the way of the progress that we as people need. And so it makes me really hopeful, because I think we actually have an opportunity to do this. Like you, like many of you, I have many roles in my life. I'm a single mom of three beautiful daughters. I have been an advocate, shoulder to shoulder, with many of you in this room to try and make justice and be an ally for justice. I am a healer and a counselor in a practice that I have, and I am a candidate for governor. And in those roles, as we try and move forward, and we all make mistakes, I've made plenty, but I know that when I make a mistake, I have to do certain things to undo it. And the first is to acknowledge the mistakes that I've made. The second is to apologize. The third is to make retribution, to make it right. And the fourth is to forge a path forward, having learned from those mistakes. That's been true as a mom. It's been true as an ally. And I think that's where we find ourselves now in so many areas, but in particularly in relationship of the state to the tribes. This is our opportunity now. I'm excited that we're having this forum. I'm excited that things are, are happening that have gotten bad enough, honestly. I'm not excited things have gotten bad enough, but so that we are actually paying attention. And we have this opportunity now to forge a new relationship and to recognize the inherent sovereignty of the tribes and everything that means. Having the rights to your own land and water, having rights to your own courts, being able to um, prosecute domestic violence, whether those folks are here or someone from away who's part of that in your own courts, taking care of pollution and making sure that you have rights, not just rights to the water, but you have clean water that you can get to, and also the right to economic development as you decide it. Sovereignty and economic development. Those are just a few of the things that we have that I think that are part of tribal sovereignty. And it's, it's a seat at the table as equals is really important, but it's not the only issue. We need to figure this out. We need to apologize for what's happened in the past and make it right. And then we need to forge that path going forward. To me, that's the promise of this election. That is what we can do. We can get a different kind of leadership that starts from the get-go in a different way. As I said, I've worked as an ally. I helped form the civil rights teams years ago. I was up here working with high schools up here. I've been involved in the whole movement um, and early, early on to try and change mascots that are demeaning and that have way more meaning, more meaning and importance than people often give them credit for who don't live here. Right? I've been working on those issues for a long time. But I think we are ready to change. I was at a town meeting yesterday in Mount Vernon, Maine. 1,212 people, they told me. And do you know what the first question that they asked me about as a governor, gubernatorial candidate, was about how I felt about tribal sovereignty and water rights. That's an incredible thing. I was so excited to get the question, and I was so excited to give my answer. 
I think we have a moment to change. We have a moment to make things right and to move forward. I had the incredible honor this past summer to go to Nabizan to the healing of Turtle Island that Sherry put together and so many of you, and to share and to watch and to witness ceremony with indigenous people and leaders from all over the world about the prophecy of the opening of the Eastern Gate. It's about a shift, a huge shift in terms of taking care of each other, respecting each other, taking care of our land. And our question is, my question is, are we ready? Can we do that? Not just in our, in our reverence for the earth and for each other, but in our politics. That's the opportunity that we have in this primary and this election to start that relationship and forge a new path as equals and as respectful partners in trying to help our peoples, all of our peoples, and the earth. So I'm very excited. I am here to listen and learn. I can't wait. And thank you all for giving up this evening and coming and being part of this dialogue. Thanks a lot. Thank you to all the candidates. And um, I'm really glad we took a little bit of extra time. I hadn't heard all of you speak in that way before. So um, it really helps us to get to know you uh, and your vision for our communities in the state. And uh, Betsy, I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay, good. Okay, Me too. So I'm ready for that. Uh, I'll go back to Adam for the first question. We'll go this way, and then maybe we'll go that way. Bottles or something, um, and I heard and I heard uh, you all talk in great aspirational uh, terms about building relationships, and uh, so this is I want to just take a deeper dive on that and sort of how how you might do that. So this question is uh, phrased this way, and, and I got to say that the questions are almost in a form of dialogue. Uh, these are really advanced. Questions. <laughs> if I think about it in the context of my classes, this is like the definitely 400 graduate level uh, that we're dealing in. And, and so I really appreciate you all coming. I mean, you might get a tribal question or two in your typical fora. Uh, tonight you're going to get a real deep dive. So if you don't know something, tell us you don't know. Right. Chief, Chief Dana said, be honest. I'm trying to. I'm trying to do it. I'll never be a politician. Um, after observing the previous administration's often tumultuous, if not right, not if not outright hostile relationship with Maine's tribes, what would be your first steps as governor to rebuild trust with these, uh, with our governments and with our communities? Um, and the more detail you can get to that, the better sort of, you know, day one, but day one to 100, what could you see doing as governor to rebuild trust? Adam Cody. Thanks, Darren. And I, I think the mistake you made in the beginning was advising us to have two minutes and then saying you weren't going to enforce it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, I'm kidding. talking to my children well, about this. Right? <laughs> I would recommend two minutes. <laughs> not up here. We don't. No. Um, I sat down and I, I, I've been asking that question um, to members of the tribes that I've talked with. And, uh, and I look at some of, so many of the problems here, and I talked about them a little bit earlier, twice the opioid 
problems, everything from education, healthcare, unemployment, economic development, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I expected an enormous laundry list from folks that I talked to on what they'd like to see out of the next governor. I really did. The thing I'm hearing over and over and over again goes back to what Chief Francis said, where he said one table and two seats. So I would say, and I know you asked for specifics, but I will say first and foremost, a seat at the table. We need to restore tribal council relationships. We need to get members back into the legislature. We need to spend more time here and with all of the tribes in the state. We need to do a real deep dive on how we're going to not only improve that relationship, but talk about policies that can help drive that forward. And we can talk about water rights, sustenance rights, health, all of that stuff, got it, get it. There are going to be different issues we haven't thought about 10 years from now that are going to happen. The important thing, the critical thing, is having that trust, having that relationship. I've had three combat tours in the military, in Bosnia, Iraq, and Afghanistan. I've had people ask me, well, you get the Bronze Star, and they, how did you get that? And you think I'm going to say I took a hill or stormed a beach or something like that? And I said, no. I had two commands in Afghanistan. The second one I had, I was chosen to take over for a unit that had claims of sexual harassment. They had claims of racism. They had soldiers mailing things home they'd stolen. They'd established a fight club where if people didn't get along, they'd fight each other. The entire chain of command was court-martialed, reassigned, or sent home. I was identified as the top commander out there and chosen to turn it around. And I didn't go in there by yelling at people and telling them my rank. That's a common misconception about the military. I went in there and I sat down and I talked with people. I talked to key opinion leaders, thought leaders. We got people to have stake in the game. We included people. And we had people to understand that to be successful, we need to do it together. That unit finishes one of the best units in Afghanistan. The number one in my brigade, 5,000 soldiers, it was the number one unit. And we did it by bringing people together and working together. The next governor is going to have a short window of opportunity to demonstrate that type of leadership for this state. I would offer for your consideration that it should be somebody coming in from the outside without an ax to grind, but a plan on how to get our state there and the ability to do it, attract people to want to serve again and be a part of state government again. Because we need it. We desperately need a reset in this state. So that's what I would do. Thank you. Donna Dion. Earlier I mentioned I was mayor for six years in Biddeford. And, uh, and this doesn't even compare to some of the situations here. But bringing people to the table is very, very important. We had uh, a part of our city who was trying to secede from Biddeford. They'd had it. They didn't have a voice. No one was hearing them. Their, their area was not being taken care of. Uh, there was a, a, a shopping list of things. I was a citizen at that time, and I went to all the meetings and sat in the back of the room, listened. I listened to what both parties were saying, and they kept going to Augusta, and I'd go to Augusta, sit in the back, just a citizen. I listened again and put together an ordinance, and I sent it to the state and said, I don't think my community has looked at everything. I think you should be bringing them to the table. I'm not an elected official. I was just a citizen. By the time they got to the last day, the, the chair said, excuse me, we still have one proposal here from Donna Dion. And everyone went, no. 
Well, shortly after that, within six months, I was mayor of the city. I brought the people to the table and once again repeated what I heard, asked them, is that correct? What are you trying to do? Uh, a lot of very upset individuals. We won't even go into how abusive they were. We kept going, wait, that's not the solution. The solution is we need to hear what's going on. Three months later, the ordinance was developed. They did not secede from, from uh, Biddeford. And they still have that ordinance today and utilize it so they have a voice, they're heard, and their area is being addressed. That is such a small thing compared to what's happening. But it represents what I look for, is the respect of individuals. Bring those key people to the table. That's what we should be doing right away, is looking at what I think is wrong may not be your key problems. It's what you, you're telling us. And how do we resolve it by the resources that exist in, right in your own communities, outside your communities? And how do we bring specialists to that table? It's, it's a collaboration. The same thing occurred at a second situation. Just to give you where I'm coming from, University of New England, minor little thing. 15 years working at getting one thing done, not a single word on paper. Four months later, we had the right people at the table indicating their dislikes, indicating their concerns, indicating their goals, their direction. That's what you need, someone who's willing to listen and say, sorry, you're not trying to come to a solution. Who else in your community can come to the table and actually work at developing a solution? As I indicated earlier, it needs to be a win-win situation. Do you get it all? No. But what can we do, and how do we move forward to develop a better relationship? How do you build confidence in the people you're working with so they say, yes, we can go because they really mean we're going to get a solution? That's what I am. I'm solution-driven. What do we need? How can we do it? What's kind of, what kind of financial support do we need? Is it the drug problem? Is it economic development? Is it all of them? Is it education? How, when, and where? but you need to be the one, and I have been very successful in getting the right people to the table. Thank you. You're listening to Maine Currents on WERU-FM. The gubernatorial candidates forum you're listening to was hosted by the Penobscot Nation and took place on Indian Island on April 25th. Although Republican and Independent candidates were invited, only Democrats attended. The facilitator is Dr. Darren Ranko. Mark Dion. With these speeches, I've forgotten the question. <laughs> right? The question was, what would you do the first day or the first hundred days as governor? To rebuild trust. To re Look, trust is a relationship. I've been married for 40 years. <laughs> I may be almost there in terms of having trust, right? She doubts me. She told my eldest daughter once, dad's not wrong, but he's surely not right. So I thought I still had a window of opportunity. I'm working on it. Listen, the first thing as governor is I'm going to get that 12th chair at the police academy. That's a tangible, concrete thing to see Native law enforcement at that table so they can represent the tribes and speak on those issues. Second, I'll hire a Native to be on my staff, but I'm not going to put her or him into a policy ghetto. Like, you're a nice Native, why don't you join my team and you can talk to me about Native issues and I'll be all set. 
I want that native member of my staff to inform me on all issues affecting the state, not just what affects the tribes. If the tribes want a seat at the table, their seat has to be built of the same weight and character as every other seat so they can exercise a voice that makes sense. On Native issues, I would probably turn to Judge Meinhardt to help me put together a team to see what's not being done that executive order can address. I've heard from your own police chief the idea that court process is not given full faith and credit out in the general community. That should stop. The law says they should. I would make that kind of list. I don't want another commission to study something for two years. I want to be presented with action items that we can get something done as soon as we can. Because that's the foundation for, as I said earlier, the real work that has to do. One, commissioning the effort to revisit the Settlement Act. It won't be easy. An overnight success takes about five years. Right? But it doesn't mean you don't take the journey. And the second piece is to actively engage, listen, and construct a dialogue that will help us define what we mean by self-determination. We're not the only people struggling with this issue. First Nation peoples in other countries have also undertaken this struggle, and we can learn from that. So that's what I do in the first 100 days. And I invite the chiefs in my office so it becomes a regular continuity of listening and talking. It's those simple things. It's not grand policy. It's concrete signals that this is serious, and it's serious work by serious people, and it has to be started the first day in office. Thank you. Mark Eaves. So if I were fortunate enough to uh, have the honor of taking the oath of office, uphold the Constitution of our state, the day that I knew that that, that was going to be a reality, I would pick up the phone and I would say and call the tribal chiefs and say, where do you want to start? And have that dialogue and open that up and not assume what I've seen uh, a lot of, of people coming and assuming that they have the answers. Um, that's just not my approach. My approach, as I said in my earlier remarks, is to build trust. Um, in the legislature, there's a 151 House members. You get a sense, and I really appreciate the comments about um, people can read people. They know when you're being honest with them. They know when it's genuine and it's true. And that can only be earned over time. So when I was uh, in the position, uh, in a leadership position in the legislature, I met regularly with my re Republican colleagues and, and their leadership um, um, to make sure that we were connecting with each other, reminding each other that we have a lot that is in common. Um, it's that same approach that I would take on day one. And <clears throat> I don't know exactly what we would do in those first 100 days, but I do know that it would be a genuine respect and, 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 a, and a confidence that it can be different. Janet Mills. Thank you for the question. It's a great question. Uh, look, <clears throat> as governor, I would make it my mission to meet regularly with not only with tribal chiefs, but, but with the tribal councils. Uh, and I would continue to oppose offshore drilling for oil and gas off our shores. This governor, the current governor, is the only governor on the eastern seaboard who 
failed to oppose the Interior Department's offshore drilling proposal. I filed comments opposing it, not only because a, an oil spill would ruin our tourism industry, ruin our fisheries, but also threaten one of the most culturally and historically significant uh, pieces of land on the coast of Maine, that being Pleasant Point. Um, I would continue to oppose the Trump administration's rollback of the mercury and airborne toxics rule, which is the major pollutant of our lakes and waters. But I would meet with tribal council members and chiefs constantly to talk about forest products expansion, to talk about broadband to the reservations, talk about ecotourism, tech jobs, improving healthcare, education, and economy on the reservations. And I will appoint people to the Maine Indian Tribal State Commission who will carry out its mission right now. I don't think this governor's made an appointment in three or four years, maybe longer. But I think the mission of that commission has been too long neglected. I will work to enhance their authority and responsibilities and make that body a solution-driven body, for a forum for real communication and real problem-solving. And I will appoint judges to the state courts who fully understand the Indian Child Welfare Act, people like Justice Andy Mead on the Maine Supreme Court, people who are familiar with tribal courts and customs. And I will respect the findings and recommendations of the Truth and, Truth and Reconciliation Commission report. It was very disturbing to read that report and to hear the testimonies. And I, I will make it my mission to carry out the recommendations of that report. And I will work to remove once and for all offensive names for teams and schools and mascots that have no place in our modern day society. Because I want a state government that will be a partner with tribal governments, not an enemy of them, as you talked about before. I think there's so much that we can accomplish together um, if we work and engage in communication rather than litigation, if we meet regularly and talk honestly and openly about the mutual problems that we face. Thank you. Diane Russell. I sat down for the last one. I'm going to stand up for this one. So I can't change what has happened in the past. And I can't change the fact that someone might come beyond me and change relationships back. You all have been negotiating as a people with the state and with the country for generations. And there have been times when people have come together and there have been times when, that has, when other people have gotten into power and taken that away. But I can take a view of the seventh generation. How do we plan things so that the seventh generation has good things to come? And some of that comes down to structural changes. Right, So I am a systems person. I led the fight to take down the superdelegate system. I've been fighting and one of the leaders uh, for ranked choice voting because I want to put power back into the hands of people. So I think of in terms of structures, how do we make more permanent change? And there are ways that we can have voices heard incrementally in different locations. But I think until we have a cabinet-level, executive-level position whose job it is to coordinate with all of the agencies as it relates specifically to tribal affairs and to coordinate with the tribes, we are not going to be able to permanently create change. So, for example, you just mentioned um, ICWA. I have a dear friend who has lost her children, and 
DHHS has gone around the federal statute um, and taken those children away from her, and she is now in federal court. Those children should be raised, if not by her, by people on the tribes, on the reservation, and that is not happening. We need someone at the top who understands these issues and can coordinate with DHHS, can coordinate with the um, inland fisheries and wildlife, who can actually intervene and address some of these issues at an executive level. The reason why it's important to put that position in place, and, and I would only do it if that's something that you wanted, but imagine what happens if the next governor comes along and tries to take that position away. Imagine the fury that would come from the people of Maine for trying to take that person away and that position away. That position would put you in, literally, in the governor's office. It would give you the chair that you're asking for. And I got to tell you, I don't surround myself with nice people, by and large. They're lovely. I surround myself with difficult people. I happen to be a little difficult myself because I stand up for what I believe in, and sometimes that's not really well received. I like difficult people because they stand up for what they believe in and they challenge me. And I want people in the cabinet who are going to challenge me, who have a real voice, who have a real seat at the table, and have real power. Because until you have structural power, all these issues that I know and you know exist are not actually going to be able to get solved. And it's one thing to have a governor who says, yes, we want to champion uh, tribal rights. It's another thing to actually put someone at the executive level whose entire job is to intervene and to change policies and culture within the state government so that they can be more culturally sensitive and more thoughtful about the impact that we are having when we pass laws in the state. So that is my first step. And I also, of course, want to meet with folks, but that's all been said. I just think that we need someone at the top who is going to be working and focused exclusively on this and that to be their job. Betsy Sweet. Well, the very first thing I would need is some help with a smudging ceremony in the Blaine House and in, and in the governor's office. Because if we're going to reset, we need to clear some of that energy out pretty quickly. Yeah, so that would be the first thing I would request from you. Um, help with that. And, you know, in my years, 35 years as an advocate, the most important thing is about relationships. So my first thing, as people have said, but is to invite people in, but not just invite people in, to be here. You know, my vision of being a governor is not to be in Augusta. My vision of being a governor is being in Maine, out in Maine. Come here. Be with you. Be with people in communities and say, what are the things that we need? I think fundamentally we need to reopen the Indian Land Claims Act and we need to figure out what the path is to do that so that we have inherent sovereignty in law and that everything else can follow from that. I think obviously representation within my, within administrative positions and in the cabinet, to me that goes without saying. You know, if you look at our campaigns and who's running our campaigns, take a look at my campaign. Um, you'll see very different kinds of people than generally, um, are in, in positions of power. So I think those are the things that I really want to do. I also really want to talk with the youth councils because I think it is that seventh generation thing and we have to talk about what brings economic development and hope and education as we address bias in policy, in attitudes, and I think what kind of leadership we need from the top 
what kind of honoring we need to do, and what kind of listening. I would never presume to think that I know what the answers are for the tribes in the state. But I will listen and I will provide support and be an ally and make sure that we use the structures of government to make sure we get done what needs to be done. You've been listening to a gubernatorial candidates forum hosted by the Penobscot Nation on April 25th on Indian Island. All of the Democratic candidates for governor attended, so that's who you've been hearing from. Republicans and independents were invited but did not attend. Some declined, citing other obligations. Penobscot Nation Ambassador Molly and Dana reports that Republican candidates Sean Moody and Ken Fredette and independent candidate Terry Hayes did not respond to the invitation. You've been listening to Maine Currents, independent local news, views, and culture. I'm Amy Brown. Be sure to catch us here every month now in our new time slot, the first Thursday of each month at 10 a.m. Next month in June, we are planning to talk about the proposed aquaculture facility in Belfast. If you are interested in being part of that discussion, perhaps as a guest in the studio or by phone, we are taking names and putting together a guest list for that now, so please get in touch. You can email me, amybrown at news at weru.org. Again, that's news at weru.org. Stay tuned for On the Wing with Mark Dyer, up next here on Community Radio WERU-FM, 89.9 Blue Hill, 99.9 Bangor, and streaming online at weru.org.